following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Before we jump into uh, part four today of our series, I want to just uh, make a couple of announcements, let you know of some exciting things uh, that are happening here at the life of our church. Uh, this coming Friday, Friday night, uh, we're having an impact seminar. Uh, we kicked off the new year of Coastal uh, with a series of messages called Impact, Making an Impact. And that's kind of our, our theme for 2018. We want to be making an impact in our church, in our community, and in our world. And that's, uh, that's what we call our, our min- um our missions and outreach ministry, Impact. Uh, this coming summer, we're going to have Summer of Impact. Uh, we have our Impact Board back there. In fact, everybody turn around and look at the Impact Board. You can see uh, some of our staff back there as well. Um, so the one sign right above, that represented 52 people last year that gave their life to Christ. And underneath it, uh, now, today, we have uh, 25 people uh, so far in the first two months of the year who have given their life to Jesus here at Coastal. And now, uh, 14, 15 people have gotten baptized uh, here at Coastal. So... We're excited about that. Well, this coming Friday night, uh, we're offering uh, just a, a seminar, a little training uh, from 6 to 9 o'clock. Uh, we're going we're gonna to provide uh, dinner for you, some food. We're going to have child care. And, and really, the, the, the seminar, uh, the training is very simple. We're going to have a lot of fun together. But it's simply about, you know, how can I be a little bit better equipped uh, to share my story and to share my faith? And uh, we want to equip you to do that. And right now, we have like around 75 people uh, that already signed up for that uh, for Friday night. We'd love for you to come out. I'd love to see, you know, over 100 people. So sign up today. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. But just think about the potential impact that you could make by just being a little bit more confident, uh, having a little bit more uh, confidence in sharing your story, your personal testimony, and uh, sharing your faith. So that's this Friday night. Also, as Ryan said, we have four Easter services this year. And I want to challenge you possibly uh, to take a next step uh, in your own faith if you've not yet gotten baptized. You know, we say now here at Coastal, man, we're ready every Sunday, every service to baptize anybody that's ready. Um, but I want some of you maybe to start thinking about getting baptized on Easter weekend. You know, maybe that's your next step. Maybe you've given your life to Christ. Maybe like Eric, uh, the dad who got baptized today, you were baptized by other people as a small, small child or infant, and it wasn't a personal decision that you made. Uh, but maybe now you're ready to do that. And uh, so anyway, think about that. You can sign up for both of those things uh, on the back of your Connect card. So I want to begin today our message uh, uh, in this series on financial freedom by asking you a question. Uh, in fact, on your, on your outline this somewhere this morning, I want you to write down a number. Uh, on a scale of zero to 10, how satisfied are you with your own personal finances? Okay, zero to 10. In fact, uh, if you are totally unsatisfied, I mean, completely dissatisfied, completely miserable. When it comes to your own personal finances, you, you might write down a zero, okay? Now, um, let's say that you are somewhat satisfied, you know, you're not where you used to be, you're not where you ought to be, and, you know, maybe you write down a five, okay? Now, if things are great, if, you are, if you're completely satisfied and you, you love where you're at financially, write down a ten. Okay, zero to ten. Now, if you're married, by the way, it'd be interesting maybe to share those numbers with each other later, kind of, kind of get a feel for where uh, husband and wife think they are in, in your finances. Now, a similar survey was actually conducted of a large group of people to determine how satisfied they were with their personal finances. Now, 
only 26% of those surveyed wrote down five or higher, okay? In other words, 74% were unsatisfied with their finances. Now, of that small group, of that 26% who were most satisfied, they shared these four qualities. Okay, I want to give them to you. Number one, they were debt-free. We've talked a lot about that uh, in this series. Now, that didn't include uh, mortgage debt, but all consumer debt. They were debt-free. Number two, uh, they had six months or more of money uh, in their savings account. In other words, they had a reserve, and if, uh, if they lost their job or something happened, uh, they felt somewhat prepared. Number uh, three, they were living on less than they made. Uh, in other words, they were not spending 110% of their income. They were living on less. Number four, they had some sort of investment plan for the future, some sort of investment plan. So what about you? Satisfied? Unsatisfied? Today I want to go over some important financial principles from God's word. And uh, if you're in debt today, if you are unsatisfied or stressed out with your finances, you've picked a great day to come, and uh, this has been a great series. But, but remember, and this is kind of the overriding principle that you've heard week in and week out in this, in this series, and that is, you know, you didn't get into this trouble overnight. Okay, you didn't, and, and you're, no matter what anybody else tells you, no matter what anybody else trying to sell you, uh, you're not going to get out of it overnight. There is no quick fix. It's going to take hard work, which leads me perfectly into the first principle. So if you're writing notes, write this down, and let's talk about this today. Number one, uh, work hard and earn an honest living. I haven't really talked a whole lot about that yet in this series, but this is an important part of this whole process because it requires hard work and earning an honest living. Now, this principle, this, this idea of this work ethic is found all throughout the Bible. In fact, if you think about it, it's actually the first command of God. In Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord, God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of it. So we're made in God's, Im in God's image. Uh, he's the creator, and uh, he wants us to work. And so this principle is also found in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath, by, uh, Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's also found in the New Testament. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, listen to this. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and wasting time meddling in other people's business. By the way, stop right there for a second. Haven't you found that to be true? The people who are meddling in your business are the people who are not working, don't have a life of their own. Uh, well, that's basically what the Bible says here. And then listen to this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. No, 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 no. We command them, listen to this, settle down and get to what? Get to work. Earn your own living. By the way, what does being honest have to do with anything? Well, the reality is God does not bless dishonesty. Proverbs 16, 11, the Lord demands fairness in every business deal. That includes wages, sales, taxes. If you want God's blessing on your finances, you gotta be honest. You know, you can't rip people off. Proverbs 19, 1, better to be poor and honest than rich and dishonest. Why? 
because you will always eventually reap what you sow. And if you are dishonest with people, if you're dishonest in your, in your business, in your affairs, it will eventually be returned to you. And you say, well, yeah, but come on, Pastor Chris, I, I know plenty of people, plenty of people, they are cheats, they are dishonest, and they haven't gotten caught, and, and yet they seem to prosper. Listen to me for a second. The clock is still ticking. You know, the game is still being played. Judgment is still out. The Bible says you do not mock God and get away with it. Eventually, whatever you sow, you will reap, either in this life or in the life to come. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes, though, the pressure to get ahead, you know, the pressure just to, you know, to keep up or to survive is so overwhelming that people feel the temptation to compromise. You know, maybe to shade the truth a little bit in order to make a buck, maybe to cut corners a little bit. In other words, maybe we overvalue something or we don't tell somebody what's wrong with something that we're selling or maybe we don't tell the truth or, you know, we take a deduction in our taxes that really isn't there. And, uh, and, and my guess is that everybody in this room has been there and felt that temptation. Why? Because the, the draw, the, the temptation just to make a buck and survive or to get ahead, it is so, so intense. You know, speaking of working, every, every once in a while, um, I will meet one of these, uh, I don't know, very passive and yet, you know, super spiritual types. And when it comes to work or, you know, getting a job or something like that, that I'll, I'll hear something like this. They'll say, you know what? I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God to provide for me. And so often, do you know what I want to say to that person? And maybe a time or two I actually have is, you know what? You need to get off your butt and get a job. Okay, because God has provided for you. He did. He provided for you when he gave you a brain, when he gave you two hands and a back and feet to get to work. You know, don't just wait around. God gave you what he wants you to have in order to provide for yourself. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, whoever does not work should not what? Eat. Now, that doesn't say, well, if he can't work, because, listen, obviously sometimes maybe you can't, because it's not talking about people who maybe have lost their jobs and are trying to find a job but can't and who are and do, you know, they're willing to do anything in the meantime, whether it's deliver pizzas or, you know, sell a car and get a clunker or have a yard sale or sell some stuff on Craigslist, any of that. It says people who won't work. In fact, you know, the Bible actually teaches that, you know, if you're just lazy, you shouldn't eat. And, and the church and, you know, the government should not be providing for you. You know, God's plan actually is for us to work hard and to earn an honest living. Now, here is, though, one of the big problems in our world today, especially in America, especially in our culture today, and I know you've all seen this and experienced it, is the problem that we're facing in America. One word, you know what it is? Entitlement. Entitlement. You know, we've got people who think they deserve the lifestyle of their parents in their 20s. 
without having to work for it. You know, we, we become a nation of, of lazy people. Listen, a, a work ethic, a strong work ethic, that is not an American principle. It is a Christian one. It is a biblical one. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus today, if, you, if, you, if you're a Christian, you know what? You ought to be the hardest working individual in your company. You ought to be the most dependable. You ought to be the most trustworthy. Why? Because for you, listen, work, man, it's a form of worship. It is. You, you don't go to work. You don't, you don't do your job for a paycheck. You're, you're not doing it for a boss. You know who you do it for? You do it for the Lord God Almighty. You are his representative wherever you work and what you do. Colossians 3.23 says it this way. Work what? Work hard and cheerfully, by the way. You ought to be the person of joy in your, your workplace. He says, do work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for who? The Lord. Rather than people. You see, for you and me, work hard work, working honestly, man, that is a form of worship because we do it for God. And that's, you know, that's one of these steps, one of these principles in, in getting out of debt. Instead of always looking for the quick fix or the easy out or somebody else taking care of you, listen, work hard and earn an honest living. Number two, keep good records. Keep good records. Now, I've referenced this a little bit last week, but let's jump into it a little bit more. It is time to stop fumbling around in the dark, spending, guessing, not having any idea where your money's going, okay? Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says this. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever and the crown might not be secure for the next generation. Now, let me give you some context there. When Solomon, when Solomon wrote that, everybody had their money, their assets, their livelihood tied up into flocks, sheep, and cattle. Uh, they were shepherds and ranchers. So he's saying, know where your assets are. If he wrote it today, you know, then he said, know the state of your flocks. Today he might say, know the state of your stocks. Know the state of your bank account. Know where you put your money. Know where it's all going. You got to keep track of your finances. Okay. Now, there's at least four things you need to know. Write these. These aren't blanks on your outline. Just scratch these down somewhere on the side. Um, four things you ought to know. I need to know what I owe, okay? And I did reference that last week. I said, write it down. What I owe, okay, that's one. Number two, what I own. What are my assets? What do I own, okay? What I owe, what I own, what I earn, you know, exactly what I earn, what's coming in, what, you know, it's crazy. I've sat down with uh, married couples, husband and wife, and, and they don't know what each one makes. They don't know, I mean, they're not, they're not together on this, okay? So what I owe, what I own, what I earn, and then where it all goes, where it all goes. So that's just the first step, writing it down. You say, well, Pastor Chris, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to, you know, keep good records. Let me ask you a question. Do you have time to worry? Do you have time to worry? You know, if you spent the time you spend worrying about your finances and kept good records, you would have a lot less to worry about. The Bible says, know where it is going. Now, I want you to understand something, though. That's not a budget. Okay, let me repeat. That's not a budget. Now, 
we talk about, you know, making a budget, or I'll ask a family if their family has a budget. We're doing maybe some premarital counseling. We start talking about budgeting, and, and they say, well, sure. And all they mean is that they've done this, that they've just written it down. They've written down their income and their expenses, okay? You know, what they earn and their bills. Now, that is an important step. That's an important part of the process, just seeing it all on paper. But that's not a budget, which leads me to step number three. Uh, step number three is plan my spending, Plan my spending. Now, that's obviously the principle of budgeting. And I know most people, myself included, really, you know, nobody likes the word budgeting, but I want to give you another word for the word budgeting, okay? And that's financial goal setting. Financial goal setting. You might even scratch through the word budgeting there on your notes and just write down financial goal setting. Because really, that is what a budget is. A budget is your way of setting goals and saying, okay, this is how much money I have to spend and this is where I want to spend it. Okay, it's you telling your money where it's gonna go. This is how much we're gonna spend on, you know, a vacation. This is how much I'm planning to spend for, you know, entertainment. This is how much we're spending on food, you know, all those kinds of things. Proverbs 21.5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. Financial freedom, your financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. It's determined by how much you spend. And if you never get a plan, listen to me, your yearning is always going to exceed your earning. And you're always going to be in debt. No matter, how much, no matter how much money you make, your expenses are always going to rise with your income, and if left unchecked, will exceed your income. I mean, I know people today who can't live on $150,000 a year. Why? Because their yearning has exceeded their earning. You know, so write it down and get a plan. He says, hasty shortcuts. You know, one of the things I think he's referencing there is what we refer to today as impulse buying. Hasty. You know, impulse, no plan, just, just thinking it, seeing it, gotta have it. And in fact, that's what impulse buying is. I, I see it, you know, I want it. Every, every advertisement is, is made to encourage this, is, to, is made to encourage impulse buying. You know, they don't want you to think. You know, they don't want you to plan your spending. Because when you plan your spending, you might realize that you can't actually afford something. They want you to make a decision based on what? Based on emotion. Has, has anybody in this room ever bought something that you later regretted? I mean, come on, everybody raise your hand. We've all done that. I mean, I remember when Jan and I were first married, one of the stupidest decisions we ever made, I can't remember the name of the store because it's not, not around anymore. We went out and bought a stereo system. I'm like, that was stupid. Why did we do that? We didn't need that. It was just, well, we're married. We got an apartment. We got to have a stereo. It was just dumb, you know? I can't, it wasn't Best Buy. I can't remember the name of the place that it was. But anyway, we've all done that. And by the way, let's just level the playing ground here for a second, okay? We, we've all made mistakes in our finances, right? I mean, every, raise your hand if you wish you, you knew, you know, 
then what you know now, and you, you could go back and do it again. Okay, come on, we all, we're all there, you know? I mean, Janet will tell you, the only thing she ever heard about finances growing up is, you rob Peter to pay Paul. Like, well, who, who are they? Let's get some money, you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, we never talked about money. I mean, that's probably true for most of you. you probably grew up in a home, just never talked about it. Um, Janet and I, we homeschooled our kids. One of the smartest things we ever did for our economics class, guess what our kids went through? Dave Ramsey, that's what they went through. You know, I bet you're thinking, man, I wish I had done that when I was in high school, you know, or college or something. Um, But advertisers know that, in fact, that there's just this one word that causes impulse buying uh, more than any other word. Some of you can't resist this word. You hear this word, you immediately put your car in reverse, pull out of the driveway, do not pass go, go straight to the store. It's almost irresistible for you. What is it? It's the word sale. That's right, exactly. You're addicted. Anyway... um, Listen, but by the way, because, you know, when you start working on this, you got to know something. God's not against spending. He's not. You know, in fact, he says that he's created everything, you know, that you have for your enjoyment. He wants you to enjoy the gifts that he's given you. He's against foolish spending. You know, and part of budgeting is just you telling your money where it ought to go. That's what financial goals are all about. That's why, you know, and and by the way, there are so many tools today that are available to help you kind of map out a great um, budget for your family. Um, uh, years ago, you know, again, we've give, we, last week we gave away like 10 copies of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace, or finan- yeah, um, Total Money Makeover. You can go to his website. There's a lot of apps available today. Uh, Joe Sangal, uh, I once was broke, now I'm not. There's a lot of uh, available things. And, and again, if you don't like the word budget, just call it financial goal uh, setting. Uh, number four, uh, principle number four, save. Save for the future. Now, this next verse um, is, is really God's financial IQ test. Okay, this is his IQ test. Look what it says. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So let me ask you, how intelligent are you? You know, are you passing God's IQ test? Another translation says, stupid people spend whatever they get. Um, the Bible says it's wise, it's wise to save, but you know, the truth is we're not good at this. We're really not, especially in America. Um, I don't know if you know this, but statistically, uh, the average uh, Japanese family saves 25% of their income. The average European family saves 18% of their income. The average American saves less than 5% of their income. A study shows, you know, study after study show that we are gonna be broke in retirement. Why? Because we're not saving anything. You know, we think it's somebody else's job to take care of us. And there are a lot of people today who are living the high life right now, but they're going to go into retirement in poverty. And, you know, my challenge for you, for me, for all of us is start. Start something. Start now. You know, but we we live in this mentality of, you know, spend it now, live for today. Proverbs 13, 11 says, dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. What's that? Little by little. He's talking about saving, talking about compound interest. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about investing and saving, far more than we could ever talk about today. Um, But listen to this passage, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. (laughs) I like that. Um, Learn from their ways and be wise. Even though they have no prince, no governor, no ruler, in other words, no boss, nobody telling them, you know, to work. 
They labor hard all summer, and they're gathering food for the winter. Again, you see it both there. You know, the principle of working hard and saving. Look, God's for saving. You know, he's also for buying stuff that that you need, you know, and meeting your needs. But only if you have the money. You know, but this is how it works for us today in in our American culture. We see something that we want. I mean, we do. We just see it. Um, whether that's a television or a computer or a phone or clothing, whatever. And we buy it, and then we pay for it, you know, little by little by little. And then we pray that we're going to be able to pay those bills. So that's our, that's our formula in America. You know, it's buy, pay little by little, and then pray. Now, let me show you another formula. You know, if you want to buy a television, you want to buy a phone or a computer or clothing, again, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you follow this formula, which is pray, save, and buy. Now, what's the difference? Well, it's pray, save, and then buy. You know, so the first thing I'm suggesting that you do is you just pray about it. You know, it's like, okay, God... Do you want me to have this new television, this computer, this phone, you know, and if you honestly feel like God's saying, hey, listen, you're in good financial shape, you know, that's okay, then, then you save for it, little by little. You put some money away, and then you go out and you buy it. You don't put it on credit. You know, you save up. You, you put, whether that's $50 a week or $100 a week or, you know, so much per paycheck away and, you know, whatever you can, and then once you've saved enough, you go out and buy it. The Bible actually teaches that that's what a wise person does. The wise person prays, saves, and buys. You know, in in the Total Money Makeover book, Dave talks about how, and we've talked about this idea of how, you know, paying things off little by little can make a huge difference. But he also talks about how saving little by little, just little by little, eventually can make a difference. Now, let me give you a, a quick illustration. I kind of referenced this in the very first message, but let's get a l- little more detailed here. So I've got uh, two cups of coffee here this morning, okay? Now, this cup of coffee right here cost me how much? Anybody know? Okay, about four fifty, five bucks, you know, depending on what I put in it or whatever. Now, uh, but I, I got a little confession for you this morning, because this just shows you how cheap I am. So, like, I've been out of town all week, and I was like, okay, I got this little illustration. I need to go get, uh, you know, Starbucks. And so um, I came over here to the church yesterday and did a few things, and then, on, and then I went to Starbucks, just right down the road here on Savannah Highway. And so I walked in. There were a lot of people there, and I looked at the board for how much this cost, and I was like, man, you know, that's an expensive illustration. I don't know if that's worth that or not. And it was kind of busy, and I looked around. You know what I literally did? I went to the trash can, <laughs> and I, I stuck my hand in the trash can, and I pulled this out. And this was for uh, Christy. I don't know who Christy, Christy Last, maybe at our church. I don't know. But um, anyway, so that's how cheap I am. But anyway, so normally, this would, I didn't want to lie to you. See, it cost me $4.50, because it really didn't. But, um, but normally, that's how much that would cost. And... Um, so, but if you, let's say you got this one from home. Now, the truth is, I got this one from church here this morning. This didn't cost me nothing because we give this away to you for free. But let's say you made this one at home and it cost you about a quarter, 
Okay, about a quarter. So I did a little math. You're spending four fifty a day, or, or so, you know, something like that, on one of these. You do that. Let's go ahead and say three hundred sixty-five days a year. That means you're spending one thousand six hundred forty-two dollars on that. Now, if you were to brew your coffee at home or at the office, or you got it here at church for free, and you multiply that over a year, that's ninety-one dollars. Okay, ninety-one dollars. Now, let me ask you: sixteen hundred dollars or ninety bucks? You know, the choice is yours. Right there. I mean, you could save $1,500 a year. And you say, I can't afford to save. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just got to look at it. Let me give you another example. Dave Ramsey uh, says that on average, over the course uh, of uh, the last 70 years, okay, uh, people who've invested in the stock market, you know, a 401k and all those different kinds of things, on average, over the last 70 years, they've made uh, a 12% return on their money. So, if you are 25 years old today and you start saving $75 a month, which is about what you would save if you made the switch from Starbucks coffee to homebrew, um, you would put, um, let's say, $75 a month away into a savings account at age 25, and you did that all the way until the age of 70, and if you got, on average, over the long haul, a 12% return, um, your savings on retirement would be $1.3 million. Now, you think about that. You know, again, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. I wish somebody had told me that when I was 25 years old. You know, and yet Einstein, Einstein said, the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. By the way, the best and the easiest way for you to do that really is just to automate it through your bank. You know, you, you say, you know, and, and maybe, you know, where again, where you just tell them, you know, and maybe you say, well, Pastor Chris, you know, I can't put away, you know, I can't afford $75 a month right now. Maybe you can't. Well, just start with something. You know, again, little by little, $10 a week, you know, $25 a paycheck, little by little, and just let it grow. Listen, God wants to help you uh, get out of debt, and uh, we are committed to that here at Coastal, you know, to help people getting out of debt and uh, becoming financially free. That's why, you know, we come back to these principles, you know, fairly regularly, and, and we talk about this stuff. And again, listen, I, I, I read the prayer requests. I see what's going on in people's lives, and, and uh, we need to be talking about this. This is why we, you know, pretty regularly offer Dave Ramsey's financial peace. But I want you to hear this loud and clear. You know, the purpose of today, the purpose of this series and these principles are not, are not just so that, you know, we can all afford more of the American dream. That's not what this is about. You know, the Bible says that ultimately you're never going to be satisfied by the things of this world. You know, this series, these principles, this is about our heart, your heart. You know, the greatest things in life are not things. That's why, you know, that car that you used to think was so cool, you know, you're bored with now. That's why the direct decorations that you, you know, put up or the way you painted your house years ago, that's why you're bored with it now. You know, the, the computer you bought last week is already out of date because, you know, things don't change and we do. So you're never going to be ultimately satisfied by, by stuff. The root of our financial issues and problems It's really a matter of values and trust. What do I really value? And who do I really trust? 
Look at this, this next verse. 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says this. Command those who are rich in this present world. By the way, if you live in America, that's, that's us. Compared to the rest of the world, we are rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, and then listen to this, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I mean, he says it right there, it's uncertain. You can, I mean, no matter how much you have, you can still lose it all. I mean, like that, I mean, you know, thanks to lawsuits or illnesses or a hospital stay or a disaster, an accident, there are so many ways today that you could be wiped out in a matter of months or days, no matter how much you have. And so we've always got to be reminding ourselves, you know what, my security, my value, my self-worth, it's not in my bank account It's not in my good job that I have now or a job that I'm hoping for. It's not in another person. My security, my value is not found in where I live and what I drive. My value, my security is found in the Lord. You know, ultimately, don't put your hope in wealth or things or people, but put your hope in God. Let me tell you something. If God turns off one faucet, he can turn on another. This, this last verse, this is a great refrigerator verse. You ought to put this, write this down, you know, put it on your refrigerator when you get home. Psalm 111, verse 5. He gives food to those who trust him. Isn't that great? He gives food to those who trust him. He never forgets his what? He never forgets his promises. The Bible tells us That God loved you so very much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you. To pay for your salvation. To pay the debt of your sin that you could never repay on your own. God did that for you. And if God you know, loves you enough to do that. Don't you think he loves you enough to take care of you, to meet your needs, to provide for you? You see, the bottom line is really this. Am I going to keep trying to do it my way? Or am I going to believe God and trust him to do what he says he will do. That he will provide for me. That he will change me from the inside out. That he will change my heart. And, and, am I gonna believe him enough to do what he tells me to do as an evidence of that faith? Listen, ultimately, And we've been coming back to this week in and week out. We always do here at Coastal. Ultimately, your greatest need today is not financial. It's not. It's spiritual. It's forgiveness. And again, man, the good news, here's the good news of the gospel. 
Jesus has already paid the debt. He's already paid for the cost of your sin and mine through his death, burial, and resurrection. It has been completely paid for. But you have to receive it. You have to act on it. You have to personally, you, yourself, not your family, not your spouse, no one else, you, you have to accept it and put your faith and your trust in him. Have you done that yet? Have you done that yet? Listen, I want to tell you something. That's far more important today than you going home and, you know, planning out a budget, you know, contacting, you know, your, your bank or whatever, you know, putting money aside. I mean, all those things are important. We're going to keep talking about those things. But let me ask you, have you placed your faith and your trust in God's plan for saving you from your sin, paying the debt of your sin that you could never repay? Man, you can't be good enough. Listen, it's not about church attendance. It's not about religion. It's about faith. It's about having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And you can begin that today. It can happen in an instant. And all of your sin, all of your debt be paid for if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you can have that today. I want to step you through a prayer of salvation where you can receive that by faith here and now. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do continue to thank you for this series that we're in. And, and God, it's exciting to see people, you know, starting to make changes, especially, you know, a lot of young adults and young families. And, and I'm excited about, you know, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, we're going to come back to these principles and we're going to put their story, their testimony up on the screen. And just excited to see what you're doing uh, here at Coastal and in this community of faith. But God, the greatest need that we all have is not financial. It's forgiveness. And listen, maybe you're here today and maybe the series has drawn you in and it's been you know, challenging and you're, you've been fasting and denying yourself things physically, but spiritually. Man, God's been doing a number on your heart. And you know you've been trying to fill that void in your life or you've been trying to pay for that debt in some other way, maybe be, by being good enough or working you know, harder or being a good person or not doing bad things or whatever it is. But listen, you realize today that's never gonna work. That's just gonna end in frustration. And ultimately it will end in death, a spiritual death. But you can come alive right here and right now. And it's simply by faith. It's by putting your trust and your hope in, in the only one who was ever good enough to pay that debt of your sin, Jesus. And so here and now, pour out your heart to God. He sees you where you're sitting at right here and right now. Pour out your heart to him and say, dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do, I want to come home. I've lived apart from you, and today I take a step of faith toward you. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from the, the debt that I have accrued because of all that I've done. I, I turn my back on all of that, and I turn in faith toward Jesus. I take that step. I do believe. I believe in what he did for me. He went to a cross. He paid for my sin. I believe that he rose from the, the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And today I ask Jesus 
to personally come into my life to forgive me of my sin and to be my Savior and to be my Lord, my boss, my CEO, the manager of my life. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me now, forgiven, brand new, resurrected into new life. Thank you. Thank you, God. We love you. We pray these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.